This episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast is brought to you by Richest Billiards, 5815 Weber, not your average heroes. The legend continues, and ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another great edition of the Main Event Talk Podcast. I am the Main Event Player to Supersede, the God Among Gods, the King Among Kings, the coolest son of a motherfucking bitch walking God's green earth. Now, this is going to be a very special episode because we've got a lot we need to cover here this week. Now, this episode was originally supposed to come out on Memorial Day, but I had my reasons and everything, that and the fact that it was Memorial Day, and the fact that most of you guys know that AEW's Double or Nothing took place this past Sunday night, which was truly an incredible night, and the main event wants to talk to you about not just the matches, but how well the matches did and everything else like that. And of course, I'm going to give out my criticisms and everything else like that. Now, besides AEW's uh, Double or Nothing, we're also going to talk about some shocking moments. Uh, Not shocking moments in the past of AEW's Double or Nothing. Shocking moments as in the releases from the WWE and holy shit. There are a lot of releases that happened within the past couple of days, and the main event wants to talk to you about that. Now, just to let everybody know, this is a part one episode, believe it or not. Uh, Actually, there's two episodes, back-to-back episodes. We're doing one episode here today, which should be released right about... hmm, If I'm looking at my watch right now, it's probably like 12 o'clock, 1230 or something like that. So you guys are listening to it right now as we speak at night, that is. And there will be another episode later on because this weekend, there's going to be several things that are going to happen, which we will talk about in just a moment. Now, before we get started, before we talk about what goes on in professional wrestling and all sorts of stuff, let's get on to a little bit of music, shall we? Now, I was uh, debatable on whether or not I should play this song or not. But I decided I think I will. It's from a band you know quite well. I think most of you guys have probably heard this song before. Now, most of you are fans of CM Punk. If if you are, raise your hand. If not, be quiet and don't say a word. <laughs> but anyways, uh, CM Punk, every time when he comes down to the ring, he always comes down to Living Colors' um, Cult of Personality. But before that song even took place and everything... CM Punk was well known for one song in particular, and I think you know it quite well. Uh, This is from Killswitch Engage. You probably have heard this song, but just in case you haven't, this was the original theme song that CM Punk came to back in the days of the WWE and ECW, well, ECW at the time of his supposed resurrection. But anyways, here's Killswitch Engage with the song This Fire Burns.
That was Kill Switch Engage doing the song This Fire Burns. This was CM Punk's original uh, theme song a long, long time ago uh, before Cult of Personality. Um, if memory serves me correctly, um, I think Cult of Personality was his original theme song. Uh, 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 its original theme song when he was in Ring of Honor, if uh, memory serves me correctly here. I could be wrong, but uh, man. But I got to tell you, when I first heard this song, Originally, and, and let me kind of give you the backstory on this one. I mean, I was a huge fan of Killswitch Engage. I mean, anybody that knows me <coughs> knows me quite well when it comes to my metal music. Uh, huge fan of Killswitch Engage. Uh, Love the old school stuff, well, especially the old school stuff back in 2003, a uh, long time ago. Um, and this is kind of talking about the music here. Uh, around the time in 2002, uh, I was starting getting into some new music. Uh, uh, around that time, I was um, I used to have this thing called um, Omnivision a long time ago, right? But Omnivision was going out of business and everything, and we were forced to go ahead and switch cables, right? So at the time, long before it was called Spectrum, there was uh, Time Warner Cable, right? And we had Time Warner Cable, and we had all sorts of variety of channels, which was unbelievable. And uh, one of the channels that I was watching was something called, uh, it's called Fusion, or Fuse, I believe, but it used to be called Much Mu- much More Music, I think that's what it was called. Um, and I was watching a show called Uranium, right? And back in the day, a long time ago, there used to be a, a show called Headbangers Ball where you would love to listen to some badass metal music every chance you get. But MTV was pretty much dead. And I, and I, even though MTV still exists, it's really not called MTV anymore. I mean, and think about this real closely. It's called music television. And really, I mean, there hasn't been any sort of music television. And the only time you ever hear music is when you see it on YouTube. I don't even know why they're called that. But anyways... Around that time, uh, there was a show called Uranium, right? And they were showing off all of this uh, metal music that I never heard of. Like, uh, they were producing songs like uh, stuff from, I think, uh, I heard Sepatura uh, came out with the song Roots. And then all of a sudden, I started seeing these new bands I've never heard of before. Like uh, Flaw, that was a new band I never heard of. Kill Switch Engage, of course, was on there. Uh, Shadows Fall, that was also another band. There were so many great bands I was hearing back in 2002, and it got me, you know, I was a huge metalhead for a long time, and I was always used to my Twisted Sisters, my Metallica, my Slayer, my Anthrax and everything, and then I was used to all the other stuff that was happening, right? So while this was taking place, I was listening to Killswitch Engage, and at that time, Jesse was the original singer. And Killswitch was uh, such a popular deal at the time that unfortunately I think the singer was out of the band, I'm not sure why, and it continued on with a singer named Howard. So Killswitch, uh, Killswitch Engage came out with the Heartache album, and that was uh, truly one of the best albums uh, you know, I've ever heard and everything. And then all of a sudden there's a song out that's called This, this Fire Burns, right? And this was the theme song long before CM Punk had it, there was a, um, I think it was 2005, uh, there was an album, uh, I'm sorry, there was a pay-per-view out for the WWE called Judgment Day, and at that time, that song was the original theme song. Here's another thing you don't know about, and this and this is true, and I know some, peop- some people probably already have an idea of this, the same song that you heard right now, This Fire Burns, was also 
a theme song for Randy Orton. Yes, Randy Orton actually came down to that song. I guess he tested that song for about two weeks until they decided to go ahead and just go with what whatever they had for Randy Orton, which is fine. And then all of a sudden, when ECW came along and um, uh, they started putting ECW out as a third brand for the WWE, they introduced this new star named CM Punk. And I'd heard the name so much in Ring of Honor, I've never really got a chance to see his work until I saw it in ECW. And he was impressive. And he came down to Kill Switch Engages this Fire Burns. When I was hearing it, I was like, wait a minute, this is the same song I've heard many times before. It's a good song. It's a very good song. Huge fan of CM Punk, huge fan of Kill Switch Engage, and um, and it was pretty good. And I decided to play the song and everything else like that. So, uh, if you want to look for the song "This Fire Burns" from Kill Switch Engage, you can look for it on Spotify. You can look for it on Pandora. You can also look for the video. Um, I think it's on YouTube as well. You can find the song, or wherever it is you find your favorite music. And no doubt, I got some more music coming up here later on. Now. Okay, so let's talk about Memorial Day weekend. Let's talk about Double or Nothing that took place this past uh, Sunday night. So um, I had this plan for Memorial Day weekend, right? I was off on Friday. Well, I, actually, I was off on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So I had this huge plan. I had this idea, right? So Double or Nothing was going to be happening on a Sunday night, right? And I was going to be off on a Monday, right? So... I'm thinking, okay, I have this idea where I want to go ahead. I was thinking about inviting a couple of friends over. My original plan was to get Roman, a longtime friend of mine, over here, you know, because I wanted him to come over here and not only check out some AEW Double or Nothing, but also, you know, jam out some music and drink some beer while we're doing it. And I was also going to include my good friend Jonathan Chappelle, Jonathan Dela Gonzalez, Garza, I'm sorry. Uh, that th- there's a reason why I'm calling him Jonathan Chappelle because it fits, it works, it's just right. Anything else would fuck me up in any way possible. I was also going to try and invite my good friend Homestar Runner as well, but every time I try to uh text him or call him or tell him please come over, he never shows up and I can understand why. <laughs> but anyways, we went ahead and um I had the beer all set up. I had about two 18 packs of beer. Uh, and I went ahead and had a few beers left over in the fridge, and I wanted to go ahead and check out Double or Nothing uh, while we can. So Roman came by just in time for the pay-per-view to begin. Uh, So me and him hanged out. So the first match we had an opportunity to check out, and I'm looking at this right now, was the match between Serena Deeb and Riho for the NWA Women's World Championship. This was the buy-in, the uh, the countdown show, if you will, for Double or Nothing. This was a great women's match. Uh, I was, you know, watching Serena Deeb and everything. And, and and before we talk about this, the thing that I had kept talking about many times before is I'm hoping there's going to be a crowd for this event. And as you know, uh, boxing, um, I think it was boxing, or, I'm sorry, UFC, I'm sorry, was the first to have... Boxing was the, uh, I'm sorry, UFC was the first to have a crowd, a huge crowd, over a capacity crowd of 15,000 fans, which kind of scared the living hell out of me at the time, and it scared the living hell out of a lot of people too. And then over, um, I believe it was the Canelo fight over in uh, Dallas, Texas, over at AT&T, AT&T Stadium, where they had over 70,000 fans over there to check out a boxing event. So in my head, it's like, okay, well, okay, if they're going to be having 
fans over for boxing and UFC, we might as well go ahead and have some re- you know some wrestling fans over to check out AEW uh, Double or Nothing. And I don't give a rat's ass if AEW gets some fans, if WWE gets some fans, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor. We have to have some fucking fans because it would be extremely unfair for us not to have fans. If boxing can have some fans, if the UFC can have some fans, then we should have some fans too. And sure enough, AEW, not only did they have fans over on Dynamite from last Friday night, they also had fans for the pay-per-view this past Sunday, which was an amazing view to see a crowd over there for the first time in a long, long time. It was very, very good. So the match with Serena Deeb and uh, Rico was a great match. Um, Serena Deeb uh, pretty much proved why she is the NWA Women's World Champion. And I know some people have asked me, you know, why, why is she involved with AEW when she's involved with the NWA? Uh, well, I, I guess for uh, AEW to give a little bit of a promotion for NWA, you know, kind of show. And the crazy thing about it is Serena Deeb is truly one of the best women's wrestlers going today. And I know there's some people that are going to argue with me about that, and that's fine. But we'll we'll skip on to the next part when we get to it in just a moment about you know what I made a prediction on. In this match, um, I pretty much knew Serena Deeb was going to beat Riho, and it was either going to be by pinfall or submission. Uh, submission is mostly her style, and that's what she did with Riho. Uh, Riho is um, a Japanese woman, you know, from, from Japan, duh. And uh, let me just go ahead and get to it. The winner of the match was uh, Serena Deeb. She defeated Riho by submission. She's still the NWA Women's World Champion. And she's going to be defending her championship at the next pay-per-view coming up this coming Saturday at a, an event called a, uh, NWA's When Our Shadows Fall, which we will talk about in the next episode after this episode is done. We'll talk about that later. The next matchup was the the opener. The opener for the matchup right here, we got Hangman Adam Page going one-on-one against Brian Cage. Um... Another good match, digged it uh, in every way possible. Uh, Brian Cage wanted this match to be between the two men. Um, of course, uh, Team Taz was out there. Uh, Hook had showed up, and then there Ricky Starks out there trying to uh, bring a chair involved in the matchup. Uh, Brian Cage wanted nothing to do with the chair. Um, Hangman Adam Page took advantage of a situation. Hangman Adam Page wins the match, beats Brian Cage in the middle of the ring. And then there is uh, some dissension with the members of um, Team Taz and Brian Cage, the machine. Uh, It's going to be a matter of time before Brian Cage is out of Team Taz, and I see it coming a mile away. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that goes and everything. So Hangman Adam Page wins the match over Brian Cage. That was the first match. The next matchup, this was the one that was pretty much... Possibly, I would say, the show-stealer of all. But if I would have ventured to say, it probably was. The Young Bucks, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson, came out with Brandon Cutler. Coming out with their supposed $2,000 Nike shoes, which... Please come on, Nike shoes do not are not at $2,000 unless they get it from someplace way out down under. Okay, I got Air Jordan shoes that are about two hundred thousand, but that's a 
that's a different story. But anyways, uh, the Young Bucks um, defended the NWA World Ta- uh, the AEW World Tag Team Titles against the team of John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Uh, I almost said Hector, but <laughs> we'll get to it in a sec. So uh, the Young Bucks showed up. Um, came in with their fantastic entrance like they always do, and then Moxley and Eddie Kingston went ahead and attacked them and was beating the living hell out of them all over the ring. And this is when, you know, me and Roman were uh, watching the matchup, you know, drinking some beers, and we're, we're just enjoying not just how the match looked, but the fact that the crowd was getting into it. And the crowd was totally, totally into this fucking matchup. And it was just such a refreshing time to just hear the fans, you know, scream boo and cheer whoever the hell they want and it was it was such a different pace from what we've been seeing for the past year match was good um brandon cutler had kept getting into the matchup he kept bringing out that can of lysol that can of um whatever the fuck he is that keeps spraying on the fucking young bucks every single time um the young bucks uh the young bucks oh god and i'm not sure if anybody picked up on this but um the Young Bucks were trying to do, and they were trying to do this with Dean Ambrose, well, trying to do this with John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose. They were trying to pull a shield. Now, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, you know the group known as the Shield from a long time ago with Seth Rollins, uh, Dean Ambrose, and, of course, Roman Reigns. So they were trying to pull this move. Uh, I think it was... Matt Jackson, who was like all Roman Reigns, like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Are you serious? You're gonna come out here? Dude, Roman Reigns has all this muscle, long hair, and he looks like a rock star, and Matt Jackson looks like a 10-year-old kid who lost his virginity to a fucking dog. I swear to God, this is fucking true. So I'm looking at this, and I'm I'm hoping that it doesn't happen, that they don't do the shield powerbomb, and sure enough, you know, it ended up being, no, it didn't happen. They canceled it. So... Uh, pretty much in the end, uh, the Young Bucks um, prove why, well, sort of prove, why they are the AEW World Tag Team Champions. They defeated John Moxley and Eddie Kingston by pinfall. Tremendous match. Great. I, I wish the ending was a little bit better. I wish it was John Moxley and uh, Eddie Kingston winning the match and not, you know, the Young Bucks. The next matchup was the Casino Battle Royale and everything. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't know if they can give me a list of the uh, people that were involved in the match. I think they can give it to me. They showed the, uh, the match of the providers and everything. Uh, okay, in the next matchup. Okay, the Casino Battle Royale. Um, winner receives an AEW World Championship. Um trying to look at the list here and they don't really have a, a list for me but anyways uh let me just go ahead and get right to the casino battle royale so they showed um and most of you guys that know the casino battle royale uh it consists of 20 superstars uh five hearts five diamonds five um five ace of spades and five of clubs and that's that's all in groups, from what I understand. I don't, I don't know the list of people that came out there. But the Joker was the one that surprised the hell out of a lot of people. Everyone was expecting... Everyone was expecting that Nick Gage guy. Let me, let, me, let me go ahead and get this out of the way, so that way 
you know, everyone will know how I feel about this guy. Here's the thing. Nick Gage is, to me, and I'll say this because I can, he's fucking garbage. All right? He's garbage. I know I know he had the whole, that whole thing with the dark side of the ring, and I'm not a huge fan of this guy. This dude is the supposedly the king of the death matches and everything. Look, I don't mind death matches in wrestling, but... You know, when people look at that stuff, a lot of people look at me and say, isn't that the phoniest shit you've ever seen in your life? And the thing is, I'm not going to argue with these people about that. You know, I mean, look, some people will like, as as Jim Cornette would say, you know, uh, people would like to nail their balls to a step stool or something like that, as they would uh, say it like that. But this dude, everybody was anticipating Nick Gage to be the one to be the be the joker right and everyone else had uh different different people and everything and my thought was i hope we don't get nick gage because that would be fucking stupid for them to have him because he's not a professional wrestler this dude cuts himself like i don't know how many times he goes through all these fucking um uh what what are they tube tubes of light or something like that you know all that shit i mean he almost killed uh david arquette from what i remembered I think that was a year ago, as a matter of fact, or two years ago, which was absolutely ridiculous. So the surprise, the the Joker ended up being none other than former WWE superstar and former Cruiserweight champion who's also now involved in New Japan Pro Wrestling, apparently. Leo Rush was the wild card, which was pretty cool, you know? Hadn't seen Leo Rush in a long, long time. I think he looks great and everything. So... The last match, or the last few members that were left in the ring, um, were down the last three, which was uh, Christian Cage, Matt Hardy, and I believe, who was it? Jungle Boy. Now, Matt Hardy was trying to strike a deal with Christian Cage, and, well, Christian Cage went ahead and did what any veteran would do. Agree to a handshake, go after the person, and then throw that other son of a bitch over the top rope, and that's exactly what ki- that uh, <laughs> Christian Cage did. So it ended up being Jungle Boy and Christian Cage. Both men went back and forth. Uh, the crowd, as you can tell, were going for Jungle Boy in this one. They wanted to go for him so bad, and personally, I wanted him to win too. I need, I, I want him to have his night and everything. And, Chris, and Christian Cage, let me be honest with with you about Christian Cage, tremendous talent, love what he does and everything. But I think a lot of fans are not buying into this. What what does he call it? To outwork everybody, you know. I think he's there just to just to wrestle, just to be good and everything. I don't think he's going to win any titles just yet unless he actually wants to be competitive. So, Christian Cage ends up getting thrown over the top top rope by Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy wins the match. So, now he has, he wins the Casino Battle Royale. And now he gets an opportunity to go after, he gets an opportunity to go after the AEW World Champion. But who will it be? You'll find out what that is in just a moment. So, congratulations go out to Jungle Boy for winning the Casino Battle Royale, and he gets a future shot at an AEW World Heavyweight Championship. The next matchup, Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo. Let me tell you something. I like Cody Rhodes. He was good. 
I think Anthony Agogo has potential. He's got a lot of potential here. But I think a lot of fans, and I'll, and I'll say this because it's true. Um, even though the crowd was still behind Cody Rhodes, I could tell that there were some people in the audience that really did not want Cody to win. I think they wanted Anthony Agogo to win. And to me personally... I would have loved for, for that to happen. I would love for Anthony Agogo to win. Because, not because, not because it's the right thing to do, but the fact that he's got some talent, he's got some potential, he's got, uh, he, he's got all the tools it takes, and, and, and what's, that, what's that old expression? Uh, he's, a, he's a puppy with big paws, is what, they're, uh, what they say in wrestling. Now, I, I, the matchup was good. Uh, it was great from head to toe. Uh, I was really... I, I knew Cody was going to win it somehow because if if Cody were to understand the knowledge and the basics of professional wrestling and understand that you don't need to win all the time, you need to really make yourself a valuable commodity. And, he, and, and you have to also keep in mind, he's one of the executives of AEW, right? And the smartest thing for him to have done is to allow this match to go about, let's see, it says here that the matchup went for about about almost 10 minutes, almost 11 minutes in the match, and which is good, which is good. I, I like matches to be somewhere between uh, 10 to 15 minutes. I don't like this 20-minute, 30-minute shit unless it's the main event, right? So, matchup was good. Uh, I think Anthony Goko has potential. Cody Rhodes won the match. He hid that... Um, a move that used to be called, I think it was called the Gringo Killer or uh, something like that. Something that the Hurricane Helms used to put on a long time ago. But anyways, your winner, Cody Rhodes, defeating Anthony Agogo at double or nothing. Uh, the next matchup was for the AEW TNT Championship. Miro defending the championship against Lance Archer. This was another match that lasted about 10 minutes and... I made the prediction that uh, I knew Miro was going to somehow defeat Lance Archer, and that that pretty much would happen. Oh, by the way, there was this one part to the whole thing where Jake the Snake Roberts shows up, right? On his birthday, by the way, on, on Sunday. It was his birthday, right? So, right here, Miro goes ahead, and he's beating the shit out of Lance Archer, right? Here comes Jake the Snake Roberts with a bag in hand. He's trying to open the bag, right? And then... Miro goes ahead and, you know, kicks Jake to sick Roberts aside, gets the bag, picks it up, right? And then he throws it like a fucking long dart. And my first thought is, okay, I think that snake is dead. But then I'm asking myself, wait a minute. Wouldn't, wouldn't a guy like Miro be afraid of a snake if it were to actually come out of the bag? I mean, come on, I mean, you just... I mean, in my, in my view, it's like you just threw a poor defenseless animal... And let's call it like we see it, ladies and gentlemen. You threw a poor defenseless animal all the way to the fucking ramp. I'm surprised Pete didn't call AEW. That was animal cruelty, okay? He threw a snake all the way over to the fucking thing. But who knows? The snake could be fake. There could be no snake. It could be a rubber snake. It could be a bag of clothes. We don't know. But just to get into this, your winner is Miro, which I knew he would win. He wins and defeats Lance Archer and is still the AEW TNT champion. The next matchup, this was something that I predicted and this is something that we were seeing coming a mile 
long. And it's for the AEW Women's World Championship. Dr. Britt Baker gets her opportunity. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, getting an opportunity to go after Akaru Shira, who has been champion for well over, I would say, about 377 days, I think, or probably more than that. So, she was presented with a new championship from this past, uh, this past Friday on Dynamite. A championship that looks stunningly like the old championship, but a lot bigger. And I'm glad that that championship's a lot bigger. I mean, come on. You have a measly championship that small. And in my head, like, okay, you couldn't get that title any bigger. You only had that title set because you had it set for Riho when she first won the championship because it fit around her waist perfectly. That's the fucking truth. And, and, I, and all of us had looked at this and said, you know what? The women's division would be great if Britt Baker was champion. Now, and and I still go by that. I still go by that by that to this day. So let's look at the let's look at the amount of champions that have been around so far with the AEW Women's World Championship. You had Riho, who was the first champion. Then she loses it to Nyla Rose, and then Nyla Rose loses it to um, loses it to Akaru Shira. Now. At that time, on last year's Dynamite, or last year's Double or Nothing, she won the championship and has defended her championship and beat every single woman that has come her way. Now, to me, I've always felt, and this is the truth whether anybody likes her or not, I've always felt that her title reign should have ended at the hands of Thunder Rosa. That's my opinion. Not Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa. That's my opinion. I, I always thought that Thunder Rosa should have been champion. As far as I'm concerned. She should have been champion right now instead of Akaru Shira. But they went ahead and go with Britt Baker. So Britt Baker and Okado Shira had a match all the way. Uh, it was a great match. I was rooting for Dr. Britt Baker all the way. A lot of people were rooting for Dr. Britt Baker because she can talk. She can walk. I mean, walk it pretty much. And she ha- she has the look of a champion. And I think that... and and. And yes, all of us know this, and just in case you don't, that is Adam Cole's, I believe, girlfriend or wife, I think. I think it's the wife of um, Adam Cole. But anyways, um, Dr. Britt Baker just has all the potential in the world, and this was her destiny, this was her moment, and I I made this prediction saying that Dr. Britt Baker is going to walk out with that championship. It's going to happen. I see it coming, but... If it ends up being Akaru Shira winning it, that means that they have something set up for her even bigger. But then you have to keep in mind, AEW's booking may be good at some point, but then then there's some bad points. Like, okay, you went ahead and let her lose the championship to this person, but you can't let her lose the championship to this person. That's always happened with some of the AEW booking. And and yes, also WWE has done done the same thing as well. But at least with this one, they got it right. So in the end, and we all knew that Rebel or Reba or whatever the fuck she calls herself would end up involved in the match. We saw it coming. We saw it coming a mile away. It took place, and voila. Britt Baker took advantage, uh, got in the lockjaw, uh, makes the Karushira tap out. She taps out. Your winner and new AEW World Women's World Champion Dr. Britt Baker, D.M.D. Big congratulations go out to Dr. Britt Baker for winning 
the AEW Women's World Championship. And no doubt um, there's going to be a celebration involving Britt Baker, which we will talk about in the next episode. And (laughs) you'll find out what I have to say about the Burger Fest that took place at this past Friday night's AEW Dynamite show. Big congratulations go out to Dr. Britt Baker for winning the AEW Women's World Championship. She defeated the former champion, Akaru Shira, by submission. The next matchup, this was something that a lot of fans are definitely looking forward to. Now, for me personally, I've seen it many times before, and for the rest, it should be easy. Ethan Page, let's see, what's this? <laughs> okay, if I'm, if I'm reading this correctly, okay. Ethan Page in Scorpio Sky... And, and I'm reading this correctly here. The Men of the Year. I think that's what their tag team is called. Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky call themselves the Men of the Year. That is a stupid tag team name if I've ever heard one. The team of the Men of the Year. Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Men of the Year. What the fuck kind of shit is that? Look, Ethan Page, all all ego Ethan Page. He's got potential. He's got great, great, you know, skill and whatever. But this was the same moron that faced himself on Impact Wrestling. And, you know, he, he, he called himself Karate Man. And, well, I think I mentioned something about that on my podcast, which I won't get into at the moment. Of course, his partner, Scorpio Sky, potential, has all the talent in the world. Uh, he's pretty much the future as far as I see it. Was formerly a part of SCU. And goes after the team of Darby Allen and Sting. And I gotta say, it's good to see the Stinger out there. And it is good to see Sting in the ring for the first time in, what, six years? Five years since we've seen him in the ring? The last time Sting was in the ring, he competed up against Seth Rollins for the WWE Championship at the Night of Champions, I believe, and I think this was when Sting got injured, and then after that, one year later, Sting was inducted in the Hall of Fame, and then about several months ago, or actually uh, right around the end of 2020, uh, Sting was signed, uh, was released from the WWE, and had signed with AEW, and Sting, um, even though he had a cinematic match. Uh, at the Revolution pay-per-view, which was a couple of months ago. This is actually going to be Sting's first time competing in the ring. And it was good to see Sting. Look, despite the fact that Sting may be old, and let's be honest, he's old, but he can still go. He's 62 years old. Sting is 62 years old. And you got a young guy like Darby Allen, to me, a fucked up version of Jeff Hardy. And I call it that, like that. And, it, and, it's not, and it's not any disrespect to... To Darby Allen, that's just how I vision, you know, Jeff. You know, because you've seen Jeff Hardy and you see how good he looks and the way he is and everything. If there was a fucked up version of Jeff Hardy, it'd be it'd be Darby Allen, be the exact same. But anyways, the matchup was good. Loved how it was. Sting was fantastic. Uh, he moved like he was thirty five, and man, and and Sting just did everything, and I could just hear that crowd saying, you still got it, you still got it, and it was just so amazing to hear that and stuff. Um, There there was a part in the match, and I want to bring this up, because how, you know, 
How the fuck does a referee miss this? Okay, how how the fuck does a referee miss this? Okay, so so Sting is in one corner. Darby Allen's in trouble. Uh, all ego Ethan Page is attacking Darby Allen, and as Ethan Page going, I'm sorry, Darby Allen going directly to Sting, right to go ahead and make the tag and stuff. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like okay. I'm watching this very, very closely. Darby Allen is making a tag to Sting. And the referee, uh, Aubrey Edwards, the, the referee, is looking on. And when the tag was hit, apparently her attention went elsewhere. Because I was wondering, okay, wait a minute. She saw the tag. Sting was supposed to come in the ring. What the fuck happened? Okay. This is exactly the, the type of shit that... I don't understand how these referees, especially the referees in AEW, how to do their fucking jobs. Look, if you're gonna if you're gonna fake something, if you're gonna, you know, you know, play the part of I didn't see the tag when you clearly saw the tag, go over to the other corner and just look at the ref you know, if someone's gonna come in the ring, get distracted, and then if the tag is made, the tag is made. And if the referee doesn't see it, the referee doesn't see it. That is how you play the fucking game. You don't just go ahead and look at the tag, and then once the tag comes in, then you stop it. You saw the tag, you stupid bitch. Come on. I mean, I, I've seen that replay about 95 times. And, you know, me and Roman were looking at it like, dude, dude, dude she saw the tag. Dude, she saw the tag. And I, I saw the tag, too. But anyways, to short this out. Okay. Stain came out. Badass as ever, hitting a bunch of stinger splashes, hitting a scorpion, a scorpion deathlock, and then one mistake after another, Sting hits the scorpion death drop on Scorpio Sky. One, two, three, your winner, Darby Allen and Sting. They defeated the men of the year, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Men of the year. Give me a fucking break. <coughs> Alright. The next match. We're down to two matches here. This one. I'm not going to get into much detail about this one. Let's just say I'm glad. And, and you're going to find this very, very funny. And I'll say it. And I'll get it out of the way. I'm glad that Kenny Omega is still the AEW World Champion. Alright. I'm getting right straight to the point. You know why? Because Kenny Omega versus Pac versus Orange Cassidy. I swear to God. And and you you know what's sad? You know what's really sad? As much as I love that crowd being over there, as much as I love seeing that crowd over there, being the fans that they are... They actually wanted Pockets to win the match. I'm not kidding. They wanted they wanted Orange Cassidy to win. You could hear that crowd going completely nuts for Orange Cassidy. I can understand that this dude's an entertainer, but he fucking sucks. Okay? He's a guy with glasses with loose pants, and he fucking puts his hands in his fucking pockets, and he does the stupidest shims kicks I've ever seen, and you expect to take this guy seriously as AEW World Champion? You're out of your mind. I know some people are going to be saying, well, 
technically he really got, wasn't going to win the title. It doesn't fucking matter. I would rather have seen Kenny Omega against Pac. That would have been a whole lot better. Because, number one, Pac has actually beaten Kenny Omega. I've said that on a few occasions, okay? It's happened. All right? He made him tap out like a little fucking bitch about a year ago. I should know because I saw the fucking pay-per-view. Now, this match was good in certain ways. Orange Cassidy got the crowd riled up. Every single time, Omega is going to pin Orange Cassidy. One, two, oh, kick out. Oh, my God. Punk, the same thing. About to kick Orange Cassidy. One, two, oh, he kicked out. And let me tell you something. I was glad that Don Callis came out and interfered the match. Because Orange Cassidy was this close to pinning Kenny Omega for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Don Callis was out of his seat. He came out. He interfered in the match. He... He sort of pulled the referee out in every way possible. The referee was like, what the fuck are you doing? You're not supposed to be involved in this match. You know, and Don Callis, hey, you know, you know, he was not too close. And, and I, I, I was looking at this match while I was drinking my beer, saying, oh, he didn't interfere in the match. He was just observing, okay? You did something wrong, okay? And Orange Cassidy had that look in his fucking face like, what the fuck? Why did you get in my way? Because we, and I say we, do not want to see you become the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. You know why? Because you absolutely suck! Thank you. God, at the end of the match, at the end of the match, Good Brother showed up. Pac was getting hit with 95 belts at the hands of Kenny Omega. Yes, 95 belts. Well, he has four belts, but, you know, I don't know. But anyways, at the end, one mistake led to another. Kenny Omega beat Orange Cassidy. Thank fucking God. Your winner is still AEW World Heavyweight Champion. I still call him the supposed AEW World Champion, Kenny the Cleaner Omega. My God, this match was over. And the first thing that I said to Roman was, we're going to go outside and have a smoke. And we did. Yes, and yes, we smoked outside, you know, because I, I had some cigarettes. And, and, I, and, and I'm not one of these people that wants to buy 95 cigarettes and smoke every fucking day. I only smoke when I need to drink. That's it. It all works out perfectly. It's called a gentleman's squire, okay? It works out perfectly that way. We drink, we smoke, we talk, we jam out, we don't give a fuck, and that's how it rolls, all right? Follow along with the pattern, if you will. Okay, we're getting almost close to the end of this match. Uh, we're getting close to the end of the pay-per-view. We're also getting close to the end of the show, so I won't be able to have enough time to tell you about the releases of WWE, but I will talk about that in the next episode following this episode here. So, let me get right into it. The Stadium Stampede match. The inner circle of Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, and Santana Ortiz taking on the team of the Pedicle. Sh- uh, Cash Wheeler, Dax Hardwood, MJF, Sean Spears, and Warlow with Tully in their corner. Um, saw the match. Um, I had to see it again because I didn't see the beginning of it, right? So, uh, I see MJF coming out in a limousine. I see Chris Jericho and everybody coming down from the rafters. Um, uh, uh, apparently they're making some sort of like a sting moment. You know how sting used to come down to the rafters with a, uh, with a rope or something like that? Well, all five of them came down, right? They're in the stadium, right? And... My first thought about the stadium was I thought this was going to be like a cinematic match, right? That's what it was. But this actually was live, so this was even better, right? 
So, in my view, and I'll say this because it's true, I think the stadium stampede match that happened last night was way better. Well, not the, not last night, but the stadium stampede match that took place at Double or Nothing this year was way better than the one they did last year. That's just my opinion. So, these guys were fighting all over. Well, actually, let me let me start off with. The inner circle was going after Chris Jer- or was going after MJF. MJF was in the limousine, and I was thinking that the Pinnacle was in there. But then all of a sudden, there's this truck coming by, and here comes the members of the Pinnacle, and they're going after the members of the inner circle. So there was a bunch of scenes that took place, a bunch of scenes that happened, right? And all these scenes were happening, like. Each and every one, and it almost seems like we saw this coming a mile away. So, one scene you get Jericho and MJF on one side, and then the other side you get Jericho, we get Warlord and Jake Hager to fight on another side, and then on the other side you got Sean Spears and Sammy Guevara on another side, and then you got FTR and Santana or Ortiz on another. Now, it's going to be hard for me to pick up which one I'll start with, but I'll start with uh, MJF and Jericho first. So they're they're fighting all over the football stadium, right? I, I remember watching them, uh, I think they were in uh, some office desk or somewhere that's inside the stadium, right? And they're beating the shit out of each other. There's this one part that I remember seeing, um, I got I guess Shao Kahn, not, not, not the actual like Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat, but the the father of Tony Khan, which is Shad Khan, right? Shao, is it Shad Khan? Yeah, it's Shad Khan. Okay, Shad Khan. Anyways, they they had some sort of a poster of Shad Khan right there, and Chris Jericho just had to be silly, mess with his hair and his mustache and everything. So he's beating the shit out of MJF all over the place. There was even this one part where, and I and I was like, don't, you're not gonna do this. He staples. MJF's forehead with with a paper that says thank you. And I'm like, really? You're going to do that? Now that's just one side of what I saw. The next part that I saw, I believe it was, uh, and I, I know I'm skipping through a lot of things. I'm trying to keep things all in order here. But let's see. Um, the one I saw the most was the club. Not the actual club, but uh, <clears throat> the one that I saw. Uh, I think it was... Um, there's... There's MJF, right? No, I'm sorry. There's FTR with Telly over the club, over the bar, if you will. And then here comes Santana and Ortiz coming this way, right? And they just took a bottle of fucking champagne and just beat the shit out of everyone that's in that club. There was only like, what, five, ten people that were there? They're all getting their ass kicked from both sides, Right? Here's the stupidest part I've ever seen. And this is something I think Richard's Billiards needs to do if it ever happens, okay? So, they go ahead, right? They go ahead and decide. Here's Tully. Here's Santana and Ortiz on one side of the bar, or one side of the table. And then here's FTR on the other side of the bar. And they're all taking shots! They're all taking shots, and the first thing that came to my head is, my God, where's my bottle of fucking Jaeger? And Roman was thinking the same thing, too. Dude, don't you have your bottle of Jaeger or Fireball or something like that? I forgot to buy the bottle. We could have all taken a shot. But anyways, 
they've taken a shot, and then they proceed to, well, before they proceeded to beat the living shit out of each other, who was the DJ? Because there was a DJ. You know who the DJ was? Let me tell you who the DJ was. The DJ, who was also a follower to the main event, former WCW United States champion, and also former NWA, or actually former member of the NWO. He was also a member of the Two Live Crew. He was also a member of TNA Wrestling. The legendary Conan was at was at the DJ booth. Oh my god. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This was fucking nuts. So they go ahead, they have this fight and everything, and it's all over the place. Ejoles, so. so I see another part right here. Um let me I I'm I'm sorry for skipping all this, but I'm trying to keep up with everything that goes on because it's hard to keep up with what the fuck's going on. Okay, so Sammy Guevara comes out next and is trying to find Sean Spears. And here is the part where this absolutely looks ridiculous. It's almost like a video game, right? So Sammy Guevara looks over in this room. The room's open. There's somebody in the center right there sitting on a chair. The spotlight's on him. And what is he surrounded by? Nothing but fucking chairs. Because he's called the chairman. Oh my God, he's called the chairman. Oh, give me a break. So if I call myself the lawnmower man and I get all sorts of lawnmowers in front of me, I might be called the lawnmower man? Oh, my God. Anyways, we continue on, okay? Sammy Guevara and, you know, Sean Spears are having their fight in there, you know, going from one room to another. I think there was this one part where I think, um, uh, I think Sean Spears was going to choke out, um... Sammy Guevara and then it ends up uh, turning the other way around where Sammy Guevara chokes out uh, fucking Sean Spears. Sean Spears was supposed to choke out everything but that didn't work out and then all of a sudden uh, I think there was one part that I remember where I think Sean Spears handcuffs um, Sammy Guevara uh, handcuffs Sammy Guevara to uh, some pole or whatever walks away and leaves Sammy Guevara right there but under the impression there was this part where I saw some box cutters or bolt cutters or whatever that were right there, right? And I'm just like, oh, how convenient. He's handcuffed right there and there's happened to be some bolt cutters that are right close by. Who would have thought it? Anyways, the next part, Jericho and MJF were still fighting in the building, right? Still fighting, still getting close and everything. And um, I guess um, they're getting close to the arena. And they were already getting close to going back to the ring, right? So once they went back to the ring, um, MJF was going to throw Jericho over where the crowd was, right at the very top of the building. Not the top of the building, but like, you know, somewhere around there. Luckily, Chris Jericho had stopped him and, you know, stopped him dead in his tracks, that was it, and Chris Jericho laid him out, and Chris Jericho's just out there, you know, just having a good time with the crowd and everything, and then there was this next part where here comes Sammy Guevara, and here comes um, uh, Sean Spears, and they're going directly into the ring, and you figured, you would figure that all of the members, now I I forgot to mention Jake Hager, and I forgot to mention uh, Warlord, because they were fighting in the and the kind of columns of the basement as well, but I'll get into details about that because we're almost out of time where we've got to get it, get this finished off. So you would figure that all of the members of the inner circle 
would have showed up, right? All of the members of the inner circle and all the members of the pinnacle would have showed up in the match, right? But apparently it didn't end up that way. So it ended up just being one member of the pinnacle and one member of the inner circle, which is Sammy Guevara and Shane and Sean Spears, right? So they go in, they have their match. It ended up pretty good. Everything looked good from head to toe. And then after that, Sean Spears gets hit with a move. Sammy Guevara pins him. The inner circle are still in AEW. They're still together. The inner circle defeats the pinnacle. It's it. It's over. It's out the window. Okay. Uh, so that's going to do it for this edition of the main event talk. But don't worry, guys. We're not done yet. This is just part of the story that we need to get into. As far as I'm concerned, we've got more to cover. In the next episode, later on, we're going to talk a little bit more about the conclusion of this match right here between the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle. And what do we expect to see? Will this feud with the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle continue? Or does it come to an end right here at Double or Nothing? And plus, the main event has a lot he needs to talk about, including the releases of several superstars in the WWE, including releases like Lana, Aleister Black, and Braun Strowman. Oh, huge, huge deals. And plus, is there a possibility that Brock Lesnar could be returning to the WWE? And if he does return, who will he face in the WWE? Is the WWE going to get sold? And NWA's When Our Shadows Fall is happening this coming Sunday. And the main event is going to be talking about that episode and so much more. Guys, we're done with this episode, but as I said, this is only just beginning. So be ready for the next episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. We're not done by a long shot, and we have a lot more wrestling we need to talk about. This is only just the beginning.
One of my all-time favorites from Killswitch Engage, that was My Last Serenity. If you guys want to listen to some more Killswitch Engage, go over to Spotify or YouTube or wherever it is you find your favorite music. Be ready for the next episode, guys. I'll be waiting for you, okay?